What's up, buddies? My name's Ty Richardson. This is the Morning Fast Break. Didn't do a show yesterday. I was filling in for Crazy Charlie at Nashville Sports Radio. They were live on location at a remote. I managed to sprain my ankle again last night, so I will be wearing the ankle brace, and I'm going to buy another one at Dick's Sporting Goods today because I do not want to sprain my ankle. And you know how I sprained it last night? Jogging down the court after a made three. Not driving for a layup, not doing anything crazy, just jogging back, which is so dumb. Darnell Jones is coming up. We're going to talk NBA Finals, LeBron James, and more. Let's go. Hill misses. Rebound goes to the Cavs. J.R. Smith brings it back out. Throws it to Hill. Hill shot blocked. And we'll go to overtime. All right, let's bring in Darnell Jones. He's the host of the NBA Unfiltered podcast, writes for Armchair All-Americans. Darnell, have you done anything besides watching basketball lately? I actually have not. I've been pretty much watching all basketball the last probably two months. Between the NBA Finals, the NBA Playoffs, and getting ready for the NBA Draft, I've been kind of focused on nothing with basketball lately. Yeah, it's hard not to in this time of season. Last time we talked, the Cavs had just beaten the Pacers. Uh, the Warriors are slightly better, just a just a hair better, and they're down two zero in the series. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Uh, Cavs down two zero in this series, heading into tomorrow night. I see them winning one more game in this series. How do you see it playing out? Well, I think this is a tough, tough series for Cleveland to win, but I think they have the chance to get one. They have to get the next. I think the next game is the one they have to get for them to have confidence to get the second one at home. But I, it, I'm going. It, it's so. It's such a tough series to call because it's so much of head versus heart in this in this kind of series. It's you know the head says it's probably going to be a five game series, but the heart says. But if they just tie it up at two games apiece, then they have a chance, you know. But I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they won next game. So I'm going to say that I think it can go six. But if it goes five, I mean, who would be surprised, right? Body language has always stood out to me, Darnell. And I think you saw just some mental exhaustion from LeBron James after game one, especially as that team was heading into overtime. After seeing this and assuming that they end up losing this series, how do you see LeBron choosing where he goes next season? Um, I don't necessarily believe that. I mean, I think when you look at body language, you kind of just look at it to kind of tell you what you're already kind of thinking. So if you're of the belief that this is his final season with the Cavs, then you're probably going to say, oh, that's it. I just saw it. That's the confirmation I needed. But I think that it's still a possibility that he returns. I'm not really sure that at this stage that he wants to go to another team and start over and and be the guy that, in essence, if he does go to another team, it's going to be a super team. And he I don't know if he wants to be the guy that bounces around and forms super teams for his entire career. Because I think that's going to be the narrative if he goes somewhere else and wins, say, two or three more titles. 
I'm watching the finals, and it's clear who the best player is, LeBron James. And I, I like Steph Curry. And Steph Curry, I think, is going to eventually go grow into the best point guard of all time. And I like Kevin Durant, former Oklahoma City Thunder player. That's my favorite team. They're both great players, but they just don't measure up in er- every area. Why do you think some people place other stars over LeBron James in the pecking order? I think it's, a, it's all about the conversation, right? I mean, if... We can, I mean, every year you look at, I think you go back to 2013. I think the conversation was Kawhi Leonard. It was starting to grow about Kawhi Leonard. He was a little young, but goes from Kawhi Leonard. Then the Spurs play again. They win. So it's definitely Kawhi Leonard. And then Steph Curry comes on the scene. So it's definitely Steph Curry that's better than LeBron James. And. From Steph Curry, it goes to Kevin Durant, and now it's back to being LeBron James. And I think it's just, I think Le, I think it's more so about LeBron James than it is about the other players. I just think sometimes people get a little bit of exhausted of him being the topic of conversation and being undisputed best player. And someone wants you to see that guy go down. It's kind of like an undefeated fighter. They just want to see a loss, and they want to see a guy just come in and, you know, take the best player in the in the NBA title from LeBron James. Kevin Love's defense has been bad in this series. Uh, you look at some Cavs, <laughs> they, they remember that they could have Andrew Wiggins. Do you think he would have been more valuable than Love in this series? This is actually kind of funny because I was actually talking about this um, yesterday on my own podcast, and my co-host feels that Andrew Wiggins would be more valuable than Kevin Love, but I, I don't really, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think that if Andrew Wiggins was here, he would have developed into the player that everyone thinks he would have. And offensively, I mean, he doesn't stretch the floor as well. He doesn't, he's not as aggressive as you would like. So it's not like he's going to, even though he doesn't have a jump shot, he's going to attack the rim for 48 minutes. So, I mean, defensively, of course, Kevin Love's not going to be able to, they're going to, they're going to try to switch onto him off of the pick and roll because he's the weakest defender on the floor. So, It's going to look, because he's going to get picked on every game, every series. It's just the way the NBA is. But I think if he's giving you 20 and 10, you don't really have any other player on that roster right now that can give you anything similar. So I think you kind of just got to go with your best players, even though he is a poor defender at times. Roddy Hood's just kind of sitting there, and I know he hasn't been great in the playoffs so far either, but shouldn't Ty Lue just make the switch, give Hood some minutes just to test it out? I've considered it. I think that, I mean, I think at this stage when you're down 0-2, you know, if you if you go down 0-3, the series is over. But if you're down 0-2, you kind of got to bring out all of the stops. I think one of those, I don't I don't know if you bench JR because JR is, uh, he's, you never know what you, especially coming back home. JR always shoots well at home. On the road, all playoffs he struggled. At home he's been great. But you don't want to mess with the psyche of a guy like a JR Smith because 
you always know that at any instant he can catch fire and and he can be your best scorer that you have opposite LeBron James, right? So I think you have a shorter leash on Jr. in Game Three. If he doesn't, you know, you try to get him some looks early. If he doesn't connect on those, maybe you look to go to Rodney Hood. But outside of that, I think you stick with Jr. in the starting lineup. But I think it's it's about time to give Rodney Hood some minutes. Some people think there are flaws in the Warriors dynasty. Where do you think it compares, assuming they win this three out of four, to other dynasties in NBA history? I think, okay, I think you need four. I've always felt you need four championships to be a dynasty, so I don't think that they're at the dynasty level just yet. Interesting, okay. So I think if they win this one and they win another one, I think then the conversation starts. I think they can win if they win this year. It's, they'll probably be the favorite next year as well. So Our Odds have already come out that they're actually the favorite already, which is crazy. Yeah, I'm not surprised about that one bit. So I, I, I think a three-peat and it'll be, what, four out of five? I think that would be, man, that, that would be all-time, like, that's a run, right? But I think just all of the circumstances surrounding the team, you have a guy who you question could he lead his team without all of the injuries and the circumstances in the 2015 NBA playoffs with the Steph Curry first championship. Then you look at Kevin Durant and, okay, it goes from there to them losing the next year to – the team that they thought that they would, that everyone thought that they would lose to if healthy the first time. Okay, then they lose in seven games, right? Fast forward the next year, they add Kevin Durant. So now it's like, okay, I don't think it's just that level of respect, right? I think some teams they just grow together, and this team seems a little manufactured, and the balance of power is just not there for them to have competition that you would like so a lot of people say yeah they're the best collection of talent but as a cohesive unit and as a team that I've seen better which who's better than Darnell and you don't have to just go NBA you can go you can go other sports too I'll let you go all over the place in this one the biggest the best dynasty of all time I mean I Personally, if you're if you're talking basketball, I would say they're the best team of all time because I don't think any of these other teams can beat them. But if you're talking dynasties, I mean, I don't think anything could top the Celtics of the 60s, Russell Celtics. I think that's just the gold standard in all the sports. Anytime you win, I think they, I think they might have won eight straight. I think 11 overall. I think it was I think it was six straight and eleven to thirteen. Yeah, there there that's it. Six straight, eleven to thirteen. So I would have to go with the Celtics. I mean, how can you really argue with eleven of thirteen championships? I think that's just something absurd. Outside of that, I would probably go UCLA college basketball, and I think what Golden State's doing at a professional level is up there with anybody. I don't think anyone can make the argument that they're not a great dynasty yet. But, I mean, I, I will all, 
I will also have to add that they have to win the fourth championship, but once they accomplish that, then they're in a conversation. Adam Silver's in an interesting spot. The Warriors are about to win three or four championships in dominating fashion, and they, like you mentioned, they could win four or five next year. You never know. Should he be concerned with their level of dominance? I would say now, probably not, because I think he's committed to the dynasty, but I think when there was a chance for them to add Kevin Durant, I think he should have been a little bit weary, like, okay, this is probably not in the best interest of the NBA, similar to the situation with Chris Paul going to the Lakers. I know that David Stern and the NBA owned the team, and I get all of that, but for the competitive balance, I think it was just a little overwhelming. So I wonder if LeBron James decided to go to Golden State, right? Would Adam Silver still look at everything like, okay, this is great. Like, this is great. This is good for the NBA. I don't think he would. So I don't really think that having a team with four all-stars playing up against teams with one or two all-stars is really it's not really great for the game because you kind of know that already you already know what's going to happen, right? So I would I would think it it's not, but I mean at this point they'll probably be about 3 years before you get another young legitimate contender that's ready to take them down. So at this point you just kind of got to ride the wave if you're Adam Silver and I think going forward he needs to try to figure out something to where there's more than two or even three teams that can really seriously contend for a championship. I think there needs to be at least, if you're going to do the super team route, there needs to be two in each conference that everyone feels from a basketball perspective has a legitimate chance to defeat each other. And I don't think that's where we are right now. I think Boston would have had that chance if Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward were healthy, especially the way and we'll we'll see how that works out next year, assuming neither get injured. I'm excited for that. And if LeBron goes to Philly or if he stays in Cleveland, I think Eastern Conference will be much better with them next year. Is there a tactical move? We already mentioned possibly playing Rodney Hood a little bit more, but is there a tactical move Tyron Luke can make to give the Cavs some life going back home that's come to your mind? I would personally, I would, I would insert Jeff Green to start lineup. I'm not really sure why he hasn't gone to that strategy yet, but I know it's something that, when you look at the way the Cavs are built and the pieces that they added in the off season, uh, like a uh, Jeff Green, a lot of the other guys are gone, but a lot of these moves that they made were for this this series specifically. Jeff Green was brought in to guard Kevin Durant. It's no secret. That's the only reason he signed a minimum, uh, veteran minimum because he wanted to play in a championship contend against Kevin Durant. So now here we are, and I think in game two we played 19 minutes. I think there's no reason as well as he played in game one that he should only play 19 minutes in game two. So I think you'll see a – I'm not sure. Tyler's a little stubborn at times, so I'm not sure that he pulls Tristan – in game two or in game three, but I think that he should try to play 
Kevin Love with LeBron and Jeff Green a little more. But every, I mean, it's no perfect lineup that you can go to because that lineup lacks shot blocking. Now your your number five guy can't defend the rim. And, you know, this team can get to the rim, especially with Iguodala possibly coming back, and they're going to attack Kevin Love all game. So he's in a tough spot. I mean, I would say another chance would be to just bench JR and insert George Hill. I mean, and insert Jeff Green and just go, like, with a really, really big lineup. But I'm not sure what he's going to really try to do. Because I think part of me thinks that Ty Lue's going to attempt to just play straight up. And I'm not sure that's the best strategy. Let's switch over from the finals. Do you think the Sixers were right to give Brett Brown a contract extension? See, I was going back and forth a little bit. I think if you look at how the series against Boston played out, I think under a microscope, Brett Brown looked a little bad at times. I think he just didn't look like he knew how to manage the game properly. But as far as the development of the players that they have, I mean, he's done a great job. And I'm not sure that they're – I think they, they'll they probably make another move before they're seriously – I think it's just like – it's kind of like the Golden State, right? They needed Mark Jackson to develop them, but when they when it was time to take the next level, they they got Steve Kerr. So I don't think – so I, I do think that Brett Brown is in – the conversation with the Mark Jacksons. I think he's that kind of coach, but I think for now, I think you need a couple more years of developing at least Markel Fultz before it's time to say, okay, we need to go in a different direction. So I'm not mad, but I definitely see why someone would say, okay, I don't, I don't know about that move. You mentioned the the you have been watching a little bit of college players for the upcoming draft. Uh, Phoenix with the first pick, it's looking like they're going to go DeAndre Aiden. Uh, there's a couple others. Who is the most intriguing prospect? It doesn't necessarily have to be a lottery guy, but who's the most intriguing prospect that you've been watching lately? For me, it's it's Miles. I think it's Miles Bridges. I think he doesn't really. I think he would have been a lottery pick if he went out after his freshman season. But he's a guy that's not really getting a lot of attention because the top seven or eight guys are so polarizing. But he'll be he, he's going to be available around nine, ten, eleven. And I think if I think Philadelphia is at ten, I think if he goes to Philadelphia, he's a awesome pickup for the Sixers. Right? He's athletic. He's Probably the most athletic player in the draft. He reminds me of... He kind of has a a young Vince Carter type athleticism where it's a lot of power-based. And he's a left-handed player. He shows he can shoot to three. He has the ability to add a lot more muscle, so I can see him being a, a very physically dominant player. So I think wherever he goes, the team has a chance to kind of develop a 3 and D guy who can, you know, 
just dominate on the defensive end as well as, you know, score a little bit on offense. I'm going to switch it up on you. So I I do like Miles Bridges. I got to watch him a lot this season. What about Mikhail Bridges for Villanova? I look at him, and I I think he has the potential to be a better Draymond Green with his defensive prowess and his three-point shooting ability. Uh, Do you think he can play four in the NBA, even though he's only about 6'7", 6'8"? I think he's not. I don't think he's as – I think the thing with Draymond is Draymond has a good base because he's a – He's a bigger guy. He used to be. He used to be a lot bigger too. Yeah, yeah. He lost a lot of weight, so I think he was just there because he wasn't athletic enough to play the three. I think Mikael is better suited at the three, but I mean, he's going to be able to get away with playing some four, just because of the nature of the game right now. There's going to be a lot of lineups where he's best utilized there. I think when you look at a 3 and D guy, he's probably the mold coming out of this draft. A guy that can hit at a high rate, he's going to defend, he's going to defend first. I think he's a guy that you bring in, he's going to set the tone of what you want to do as far as your team identity. If you want to be a defensive team, you select him, and from day one, that's going to be who you guys are. There's been a lot of players in the NBA draft that – people are sold on and they and then sometimes they're bust sometimes they're not which is the one player out of this upcoming draft class that you would pick and say there is absolutely no chance this guy's a bust in the NBA I will probably go with Marvin Bagley I think I think one of the things that you look for in a star or, you know, any elite-level talent. I think you you need a motor. And I think he has one of the highest motors in, in, you know, in the lottery. Anytime you can have a motor like that from a guy who is talented is always a good sign that you're going to have a good one because, okay, that means I know he's going to play hard. So he has the talent. So if he plays hard and he's talented, he's going to be a little – he's going to be productive. So with that work ethic, you figure, how does that translate to the NBA? That means he's going to work once he gets to the NBA, hopefully, if he continues down the same trajectory. And that's that's just the recipe to develop into an all-star. And I think he's a can't-miss prospect. If you've ever seen one, he's a can't-miss prospect. So you don't think he's Jalil Okafor 2.0? Jalil Okafor? Oh, no. Oh no! I think he's. I think he can be. The, the way Anthony Davis was as a rookie, he was a little slight, and then he eventually he developed into what everyone thought he would. I think it's going to be similar to Marvin Bagley. I think Bagley right now he's a little slight, and you wonder how he's going to hang around, and maybe he's not that good. But then they gave it three years. You're going to say, okay, I get it. This guy was the real deal the whole time. Darnell Jones, host of the NBA Unfiltered Podcast, also writes for Armchair All-Americans. Darnell, thanks for the time this morning, man. Thanks. Have a good one. I don't think Darnell sold on LeBron James leaving Cleveland like I am, and I don't think he's 100% sold on the series being over like I am, which I love takes to disagree with mine because it's fun to think about, it's fun to argue with, 
And I'm curious to see how it plays out. I'm just not sold on this series going any longer than five games. I just can't see that happening. Joel B closes out our show today. It's I'm the process. <laughs> Talk to you tomorrow.